Welcome to Paycheck Prison Break. This is James Wadsworth, and it is a beautiful, bright, and sunny Monday morning. Um, I'm excited for the topic that I want to discuss today. Uh, so I, I've been thinking um, about resilience and about how we respond, how I respond, obviously, how I respond to different events, positive and negative. Um, and I remembered as I, uh, something, something reminded me of a, a study that I'd read about years ago, um, a study performed by Martin Seligman, who's in a lot of ways, the founder of positive psychology. Uh, he is the, the mentor um, of Angela Duckworth, who's the author of Grit, an incredible book um, that I highly, highly recommend. And, uh, Angela's also obviously the the researcher who has found a lot of the um, uh, insights underlying kind of the theory of grit. Uh, and both of these people, and Martin in particular, have a lot of work that overlaps with Carol Dweck, who's the author of the book Mindset, something uh, another book that I highly, highly recommend. Um, all all of these have incredible research-based um, findings in them that are extremely applicable to everyday life and especially for uh, entrepreneurs who are striving to become independent of that necessity of the bi-weekly paycheck like us. So Martin Seligman back in the 80s, uh, maybe it was even in the 70s, uh, formulated a theory of depression called the theory of learned helplessness. The idea behind this theory was that uh, the the um, when an individual has bad things happen to them repeatedly or or experiences poor outcomes repeatedly over time, they can learn helplessness. They can learn to uh, disbelieve or to not believe that there is any positive good result that is going to come from exerting themselves. And this learned helplessness becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because it uh, diminishes any incentive to try. Uh, and when there's no incentive to try, that leads to more and more poor outcomes, more and more failures. So um, Martin C. Lewin built on this theory with, uh, one of the ways he built on this was with a study that he did in 1987 with members of the UC Berkeley uh, swimming team. Um, at the time, uh, many of these uh, swimmers were world-class, many of them were world, world record holders, um, and many of them were preparing for the 1988 Olympic trials. So this is a, a set of very high performers um, of elite performers in their field. The, what he was trying to test here was something that he calls, uh, boy, I'm going I'm to forget the term, but he's basically, he's trying to test how the way that a swimmer explains a failure affects their next performance, right? So this is how he set up his study, right? First, he gave all of these swimmers a test that tested their 
habitual way of explaining positive versus negative events along three dimensions. So imagine three, three uh, spectrums, right? So the very first is on the left side, you have something that is stable and the other extreme, the other end of the spectrum is unstable, right? Um, the next dimension is specific versus global. And the third one is internal versus external. So he was able to separate these, uh, these swimmers into, into two groups, right? The first was a group that, uh, so just testing again, how these, these swimmers would explain negative events, right? Or negative outcomes or failure. The first group was a set of swimmers with negative explanatory styles. So that means on the whole, if there was uh, a negative event, a failure, um, or an undesirable outcome of some sort. So for example, poor performance in a swim meet uh, or something along those lines, these swimmers would explain the poor performance, the, the poor outcome in terms of things that are stable, specific and internal. So that's basically a way of saying, they would say, I performed poorly because I am a poor swimmer, right? That is stable, it is specific, and it is internal. It's stable, meaning it's a condition that is uh, sort of intrinsic and not going to change. Uh, maybe it's something that's not even changeable, right? It's specific because it has to do with them not with with uh, uh you know not with conditions you know the pool water was not the right temperature or something along those lines and it's internal because they're not explaining their failure on uh in terms of oh well uh you know i was distracted because i was thinking about my family situation at the time or something along those lines right it's not external it's internal it's intrinsic and it's just it's almost as if they're saying that they're saying that a failure or a poor performance is just a all that is is a revelation of their true their true selves their true level of talent or something along those lines so isn't it interesting let me just pause here and go on a little tangent isn't it interesting that this is a negative explanatory style and unsurprisingly as i kind of walk through this study we're going to learn that this is a bad thing at least in this context and yet so often in our culture we we really it's almost like we're conditioned to think this way right if you perform poorly if you fail don't make excuses don't blame it on something that is uh you know unstable global and external blame it on or take you know take take the blame understand that it's you it's stable specific and internal so it's very interesting to kind of see that right right we talk about taking responsibility all of those all of which are very good things right you got to own up to your failures but we're going to see how this affected their performance later on right so uh swimmers in the second group those who had a positive explanatory style explained bad performances in terms of things that were unstable global and external right so they said oh well that was weird that's i mean that's not a reflection of my true talent that 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 time at the meet today that was Oh, that's interesting. I, you know, I'm not exactly sure why I performed so poorly, but I think it had to do with, uh, you know, 
the swim temperature, I wasn't feeling well this morning when I woke up, uh, excuse me, the water temperature, uh, you know, I shouldn't have had uh, toast for breakfast and um, et cetera, et cetera, right? So he, the next thing that uh, Dr. Stieglick did in this study that was really fascinating, right, was he had every swimmer uh, from both of the groups do a time trial with their coaches. And the coaches were kind of in cahoots with the researchers here, right? So every swimmer did the event that they're the best at, and they were told to go for it, to try and get their, their best time ever, right, uh, in a time trial at practice. And then after each of their performances, they were given a false time. All of them were told that their swim was slower than it actually was. And with the help of the coaches, the researchers chose uh, a number of seconds or milliseconds to add to each time that was both going to be disappointing to the swimmers because it would definitely, in a typical race of the particular length, length that, uh, or particular, particular event, um, it would definitely spell the difference between victory and defeat. Uh, and it was also non-obvious that something was happening. So uh, the researchers were successful. None of the swimmers suspected a thing. So they were all told a false score and basically that they had performed well below what they expected. And then they were given 30 minutes to an hour to rest. And they did the same event again. And the interesting thing here is when the researchers compared the performance in the second try of the group of swimmers who had a negative explanatory style versus those who had a positive explanatory style, you can guess what happened. The swimmers who had that negative explanatory style performed more poorly in, the second, uh, in their second swim. And the swimmers who had a positive explanatory style performed much better much faster in their second swim. So, I mean, the whole thing is how do we respond to failure? How do I respond to failure? And you might want to, like I definitely want to, put myself in that group of um, swimmers who have the positive explanatory style. I want to say I'm resilient. I want to say if things go poorly, I respond with more effort. I respond with more verve, with more hype, with, <laughs> with more focus, with more intensity, right? But you know what? And here's the thing. Maybe this will be helpful for somebody out there. I don't think that's what I naturally do. In fact, I'm really, really pretty confident that I do the opposite. If things go poorly, I, my first inclination and my first reaction is to, is to feel poorly and probably to reduce my effort to some degree and be, and, and, you know, thereby set myself up for that self-fulfilling prophecy. So knowing that, that is, uh, that is just a, a gift of self-awareness, I think, because the opposite is also true. And there are, uh, I believe that there are other studies that he's done to show this. The opposite is true, meaning if you have that, um, meaning if you, if you are of that mindset, um, if resilience is tough, you can also be the person who does much, much better after a success, right? The person who is more susceptible to the positive, uh, you know, positive feelings, positive, 
to increased effort, et cetera, et cetera, after success. So one, one of my takeaways from this, and I'm not, I'm actually not even sure as I, as I talk through this, that it's fully explained by this theory, or um, I'm certain it's not fully explained, but that this theory explains kind of this pattern that I'm noticing in myself. Um, but I definitely relate it to this study in, in my mind and feel like there are interesting insights that I can glean from this as I think about the following. So what I see is that when I start off in the morning with something that I feel is a success, my energy goes up, my excitement and enthusiasm for what is next for my, uh, you know, for work, for additional work goes up, my intensity, my focus goes up and everything is better. So part of my self-management is to try to start every day out with a success. One of the easiest ways to do that is through some exercise, right? It's a success to lift weights, to do a workout. Uh, but other ways to do that include things like uh, choosing a small task first, right? So rather than something big that's going to take a number of days, do some of the small tasks first, things that you can check off your list with two minutes of work and feel the satisfaction of checking that off of your to-do list and beginning to build that momentum that will allow you to work with belief, with focus, and with intensity on the big stuff. This is kind of the opposite of the Stephen R. Covey, big rocks first, then fill in the pebbles in the sand approach to time management and productivity in some ways, right? So obviously you don't want this to go to the extreme where it's preventing you from getting the big stuff done. But on the spectrum of, uh, you know, what, of, of tasks that are uh, difficult to measure uh, progress by versus those that are easy to that it's the smaller tasks that you can check off quickly that will more more certainly um, lead to that feeling of success which again builds momentum belief and everything that you need to improve your performance going forward so hopefully some interesting things to think about today as you uh, think about how to manage yourself manage your psychology and keep pushing towards the goals that you have so uh, that's it for today, and I'm excited to talk to you guys again tomorrow.